Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Amen. We're going to continue on with our uh, our series tonight. And instead of where we have traditionally went in John 10, we are going to begin in Ephesians uh, chapter number 1. And we're going to begin reading at verse number 8. Ephesians chapter 1 beginning at verse number 8. And uh, we'll pick up there and then we'll move on a little further in this study uh, on the will of God. Amen. Verse number 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, and whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, and after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Amen. And so I think we're pretty familiar with John 10. I didn't, for sake of time, want to go through that. Um, we're still basing off of that premise that that. We know him, we know his voice, he knows us, and that we follow him. And last week, or rather the week before, uh, we entered into kind of a, another dimension of the will of God where we, we're not talking about God's will as in his purpose, but God's will as in possession and learning about that will of God, that inheritance of God, that testament of God. And so we're going to continue on uh, with that tonight. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, to be in this, in this wonderful atmosphere to serve and worship you in. I pray, Lord, that tonight you would open our understanding, that you would give us wisdom and insight and revelation. And Lord, give us the strategies to make this applicable in our everyday life. Lord, we don't want to just come and hear your word and be motivated or moved or even stirred, but we want to walk out of here so that it might make a difference in our life. Teach us, Lord, to walk after you until we be formed in your likeness. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. It is so wonderful. I'm t I can't tell you how great it is to be home uh, just with time difference and everything. And I was in two services Sunday. Um, would have loved to have been, you've been able to watch everything live. 
but dipping in when I could. Uh, it was wonderful. There was a couple of times it was somewhat embarrassing um, that I got caught with my phone being turned up at the restaurant, supposed to be fellowshipping with the pastor, but I had my ear going and, and I got the volume going. I finally looked at him and said, I'm sorry, man, they're, they're rocking right now. And I just had to put it out there and watch it a little bit. But you guys are having a great move of the Holy Ghost and I'm thankful for that. I'm not sick. I'm just trying to recover my voice from Sunday morning just in case you're thinking you've got to stay, you know, 100 feet away. Just Sunday morning, I, I, I blew my voice out preaching. Uh, my dear friend in, in Longview, Texas, um, the first time I preached for him nine years or so ago, um, he had just taken a church and they were about 35, 50 members. And then they grew and they bought a new campus and had a sanctuary and a big gymnasium attached to it. Sanctuary seats about 250. And they bought that whole thing, 10 acres, um, for about $890,000. And I struggled not to really hate them people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, and then they outgrew that in a matter of four or five years, exploded with revival through COVID. And now they, two years ago, went into their gymnasium and it is just slam-packed in there. And so because it's a gymatorium, uh, the platform, the, the ducting work, uh, Brother Henderson, is not that great. And so it only really gets air in the front and in the back. And so to cool everybody in the middle, they just turn it. I don't know. You know I think the lowest usually gets 60. Well, theirs goes down to Arctic Blast. And the Arctic Blast hit the pulpit. And so when you're preaching and you start sweating, it doesn't take but just mere seconds to your voice will just disappear. And so I was trying to walk around the platform and preach, but it was everywhere and I couldn't get off the platform. And then Sunday night, it didn't help, blew it out. But hey, you know what? That, we, we call that, we used to call it the Pentecostal croup. Amen. On Monday, you didn't have a voice because you'd shouted it out Sunday morning and Sunday night. Amen. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You had that Holy Ghost frog on Monday morning. Everybody always thought you were saying, what did you do? Well, we, I was at church. That's how you lost your voice? Yeah, we don't do that at our church. Nope. You don't. Amen. But uh, I'm glad for a wonderful, wonderful move of God that happened both there and here. Amen. Uh, we talked about, uh, in our last, our last series, we began to introduce the idea of the inheritance of God to the people of God. And we, we began to understand greatly that the Bible that we have is more than just an ancient collection of stories, but it is God's will for us, amen, meaning it is his testament. And uh, there were three phrases uh, that we, or, or legal terms that we talked about. We talked about the testator, and that is the one, that is the one who uh, has ownership and is giving whatever they have designed or desired to give to the inheritor or the beneficiary. That is us. And so we understand that there is a testator, there is a beneficiary, and the legal binding document of that is the will or the testament of the said testator, that is wanting to give us something. Amen. 
And a beautiful thing that we've got to understand is when we approach the word of God in our own life is we must approach it with that kind of, of an attitude and that kind of a, a presentation. This is more than just my religious devotion. This is me getting to understand what my position is in God and with God and what my relationship is to God, with God, to my fellow man, what my rights are in the kingdom of God. How, how many people uh, and, and, uh, in our legal system have messed up because they just didn't know their rights? And if they would have just shut up and talked to an attorney, they wouldn't have even spend a night in jail, but they just had to go talking. And, 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 and you got to know your rights. Right. I, I hear attorneys say this all the time. One of the greatest rights you have is the right to shut up and stay quiet. Yes. They'll tell you, but if you'll talk to me, we'll make this easier. No, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Pay that guy $300 an hour to talk for you. He's given his life to the study of the law. Amen. And, and so you've got to know your rights in the word of God. You've you got to know what is, is legal and illegal. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear cut. Pretty black and white. What's legal? What's, what, what is uh, not legal? See, and I don't want to really go down this road, but it does, it does parallel. The Constitution was, was not as much written for us and our liberties as it was initially to constrain the authority of government. And, and by, no, this is, this is just a fact. And coming out from underneath a monarchy, uh, they decided they didn't want anyone above them so powerful they could control every aspect of their life now over the last few hundred years we've kind of twisted that all around and and we we learned we're learning a very dangerous rule that the people that can give you everything can also take everything and and so it was written to restrain the authority or the reach or the overreach of a government right that's why you have the freedom to speak that's why you have the, the freedom uh, or, or the right, rather, you have the right to speak. You have the right to, um, to protect yourself and all of these. In the same manner, the Bible is not written, rather, to restrain God, but to restrain our nature from becoming so powerful that it would rise against God. See Romans 1. That the word of God was written to let us know what our rights are. In, not only in God's kingdom, but on the earth. And say, well, those are negative rights, meaning they withstrain me. But understand that within those rights of restraint, there is also simultaneously, there is, and I know it's, it's, it's like an anomaly, but there is also in that same time that you with biblical understanding restrain things, there is also a greater freedom than you could ever experience. Uh, people say, well, I'm just free to do whatever I want. Well, do whatever you want and come and talk to me in five years. Because if you follow the desire of your flesh or the desire of your heart or, or, or that uh, 
negative, damnable nature of our flesh, then, then you know, it, it's always going to go to its lowest common denominator. Well, say so that's not true. People say, well, I know, I know people that aren't Christians and they're, and they're moral people. They're moral to a degree. Right? Moral to a degree. Uh, we, we've seen that. We've seen that in our nation, the more that we've taken God's morality out of the public square, we have seen the rise of humanism and human worship, self-worship. That's what we're dealing with in this generation is self-worship. Worship me. Well, you say, Pastor, they're not saying worship me. No, they are. They're just not saying it in those words. They are saying, accept me. Even though you don't like it, accept it. In other words, bow your knee whether you agree or not. And we could insert a hundred different things in there. But as a believer, as a Christian, we look at the will and the testament of God that tells us, if I will operate in the parameters of this, then God will do this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves and pray. Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their lands. All of it is contingent upon that first word. Do you want healing, forgiveness, and all of this? Well, it's the if, is if my people would humble themselves, pray, and turn from their wicked way. You know, we, we often hear that if God said, if we just humble ourselves and pray, then he was going to heal. Our, we always leave out the third one. Turn from our wickedness because God's not going to accept my wickedness. And he doesn't have to. You want to know why? He, he wrote a document that said he wouldn't. And he's going to stand by his word. Amen. And, and so I, then I understand if I, if I know the testament, then I will better know the testator. And the only way for me really to know the testator is to know his testament. Because his will, his desire is written in this book. Now, I told you for weeks now that I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. The mission of this Bible study series, uh, one of them, one of the larger ones is to get us to fall in love with reading our Bibles. And if you don't want to fall in love with reading your Bible, stay home and watch YouTube. Save yourself some time, save me some stress, and, you know, we might even breathe better in here. <laughs> if you want to be a Christian who doesn't read your Bible, come see me after church. I can point to you within a stone's throw about 10 churches that would welcome you with open arms because they are looking for the deaf, dumb, and blind. But if we are going to be... Sa- now, listen, so that's some strong talk, Pastor, because I'm not, I'm not talking to babies. This is Tuesday night. This is the cream of the crop. I'm talking to the special forces. I'm talking to the people that want to be here and made the effort to be here. I'm not going to talk like this, um, at least for the most part, on a Sunday morning. I'm doing this on the night where people have said, hey, you know what? I've committed. I'm a part of this thing. Amen? So we're going to get a little, little different degree of understanding from God's word. We, we've got to become... We've got to fall in love with this word. We've got to fall in love with this word. I, 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 can, I can remember my grandma's Bible. Uh, and if I had, you know, one wish of anything on this earth I could receive, 
I, I think I think her Bible is the one thing I'd want, but there's, you know, a lot of kids, you know, her daughters and everybody fighting for it. So I'm, I'm way down in the pecking order. I get that. But I would love to, she was, all, she always had that Bible open. And she always had it filled with notes and, and ribbons, uh, uh, not ribbon, bookmarks that were like the quilted bookmarks. Whatever happened to them things? You know what I'm talking about where they'd needlepoint the bookmark? And she had those things. And then every missionary that came through, I remember in the late 80s when they started this, that missionaries would print out bookmarks that you could put in your Bible. And so when you went through your Bible and saw the bookmark, you could pray for them. I think that's a great idea. Maybe we ought to start doing that and get some bookmarks. Amen. And, and, and it's kind of a reminder to pray. And she had these bookmarks and she had these margins, uh, marginal notes that she would write in the preaching. Then she had spiral notebooks that were filled and they were worn. Uh, with, with writing, you know what I'm talking about, writing stuff that she'd heard in church. And then, did, then she didn't just, you know, fold up that little binder, that little spiral notebook and her Bible that was so big you almost needed a hand truck to get it out to the car and just never see it again and just sat in her car until the next service. She set that thing right down beside her recliner on, on, the, uh, on the little uh, stand there with the lamp and she opened it up and she would go through, through the week, she would be going back to her notes to study what pastor had taught. And, and some of the times my pastor would do Q&A at the end of his Bible lesson. And my grandma, she wasn't the only one, and if you were wanting to get home early on Q&A night, you just had to suck it up, buttercup, because it was going to be a long night. Because they would say, he would say, now, anybody got any question on the series? I'm teaching. Every once in a while, somebody would say, well, you know, you think the 305 is a good engine? Or, you know, and, and, you know he would say, nah, look, we're not talking about that. We're going to stick with the lesson. But most of the time, it was, it was these seasoned saints that were studying their Bible or a new believer, and they were writing notes, and they were studying. They would come back and say, you know, last week you talked about this, and I wrote down here, and I just wanted to ask what, and it would open up this discussion. And I'm telling you, when he did Q&A, we never got out of there before 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Never. It was torture sometimes. For a kid, it was. I'd love to say I was so spiritual at 11 years old. I'd just fall on the floor and, and you know, speak in tongues so much, you know, that I shook and quivered. It, it, I was ready to go home. There was this love for God's word. And, and I want to tell you something. They always had an answer for anything with the Bible. It didn't matter what you, it doesn't matter what you came up with, what your problem was. They always had an answer right here. Because guess what? It does hold all the answers. I read somewhere that in modern American churches, and we're using that term loosely, that less than 60% of faithful churchgoers believe in Noah's flood. That's astonishing. That's an indictment. Now, I don't blame, I don't blame the 60% that don't believe it. I blame the 60% who set under a, a pastor 
that either won't teach it or won't emphasize the importance of getting in the Word. Amen. Now, this isn't no get-rich-quick scheme. We're probably not going to run the aisles tonight. This is just good old meat and taters Bible teaching. My pastor would always say, nothing old, nothing new, just something to review. He'd just get right back in the Word. We've got to follow. The Word of God is under assault right now. Not in the world. The world's never believed. It's under assault. And if you think it's shocking that less than 60% believe of Noah's flood, you'd, you would be astonished to know less than, I think, 48% thereabouts believe in a literal creation in Genesis 1. And we're not talking about people, we're not talking about CEO Christians, you know, Christmas, Easter only. We're talking about people that go to church all the time. Now, I know in our ranks, those numbers are drastically higher. But I want, I, the point is simply this. If we don't fall in love with God's word and make it a part of our daily life, what are we passing on to the next generation? We've got to love it, live it, believe it, read it, and be it now for the generation that's coming up behind us. I, 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 one of the one of the greatest things uh, to me was on Sunday. Uh, we were driving to church. Uh, it's an hour and a half from Texarkana. We were driving to Longview, and uh, Addie was you know in the back, and and she's such a joy and a blessing. I, I I take her anywhere. She she really is. She's a good kid, and she loves God, and she loves church. And she said she said, Daddy, what are you preaching this morning? And I said, It's a secret. She said, oh, come on. What are you preaching this morning? What did, what did God tell you this morning? What are you going to preach? And I said, well, Addie, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a direction. I'm not, you know, 100% on one or the other. And she said, hey, Daddy, uh, why don't you preach shipwreck but not dead? And I said, baby, I don't know. I hadn't even looked. You know, I'm, I'm not really feeling that. She said, hey, Daddy, why don't you preach on the four views of the cross? I'm just, I'm just driving. I'm going, well, Addie, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily in that vein either. And she said, and she just starts listing all of this stuff. And, and she says, hey, uh, what, what was the other one? Because it really took me back that she remembered. Oh, she said, you know what I think would be good? She said, you know what I think they'd love in Texas? Why don't you preach, Lord, send the catfish? I preached that three years ago. I don't know if you remember, Lord, send the catfish. She said, I think they'd like that. They like catfish in Texas. And I'm telling you, she was serious as a heart attack. And, and I said, well, baby, I said, I don't know. I'm not really feeling. And she's just going through. And she goes, Daddy, I, I think I can find it in your Bible. And she grabs, and, and this, I told you, this is becoming my new preaching Bible, my, my old preaching Bible that I have, and I still use it. If you don't grab it right, the whole thing falls apart. My, I mean, notes and, and obituaries and everything, visitor cards from 2009 will fall out. And, um, and sometimes 
there's been a tie check that I forgot to turn in, you know, whatever. It don't, don't hand me envelopes. I am just telling you right now. That's why we are blessed with an awesome church secretary. Hand them to, you hand them to me, the chances of them getting to her are going to be very slim. <laughs> Amen. And, and, and so you reach and grab my, she gives my and it's just falling, but she's in the back seat. Oh, I'm sorry. And she's trying to put it. And she's, she said, my goodness, daddy. She said, what is all this stuff in here? She starts going through my notes. She just starts reading it. And then she goes, Dad, I can't read any of this. I said, you're not supposed to. God gave it to me. You got to pray for interpretation. <laughs> and, and she said, she said, well, I'll tell you what you, you can do. You can, and this, we're going down the road and this is just, it's awesome. I'm loving it. She goes, you need to preach my sermon. You haven't preached my sermon in, in, in a long time. And I, I slipped my mind. I said, what is your sermon? She said, you know, the story when I was a little girl and we had just bought the building. She goes, you know, my daddy ain't scared of the dark. And so then I thought, you know what? Is she just rattling off titles here? So I started asking her. I said, what is shipwreck but, don't, shipwreck but not dead? She said, that's about Paul when he crashed on the island. I said, okay, that's a give me. I asked her, what's, what's the Lord send the catfish? And she told me, well, it's the scripture about where Satan was sent to antagonize you, you know, which is buffet us, and about the fish that were being shipped on the rail car. I'm saying all that to say, there's a generation listening to us. They're listening to us. And they need the word of God more than we've ever needed a generation to get. They are facing, they are facing degrees of depravity that are so bold that we have not. Now listen, there is no, nothing common under the sun. I get it. There is no new sin under the sun. I get it. But the boldness of it, we haven't seen this. Like, and it's in their face and it's after them. The only antidote to the sin is going to be the word of all mighty God and listen to me listen to me and listen to me well if you don't read if we don't read our Bible if we don't pray our Bible if we don't know our Bible when our children come up against the wall in their life and we go get our Bible to try to answer it they aren't going to listen to anything we have to say it cannot be just the solution to our problems it needs to be the source of our daily life because the testator has given us an inheritance. And that inheritance is this word. Amen. I, I want to move to Luke chapter number 11. Excuse me, Luke chapter number 15. <clears throat> and I want to touch off on this. And then I'm going to try to wind it down. Because I, I want to talk about over the next however long. A, a demonstrative or demonstrable scriptural context for inheritance in scripture. I'm going to talk about that from a, from a scriptural standpoint so you don't think that I'm just taking one scripture and lifting it up and this is all it. The Bible is full of examples of inheritance and and what it entails I believe it's Deuteronomy 21 and 
Deuteronomy 15, uh, De- Deuteronomy 21 and 15 through 17 is the Moses. Now you don't have to turn there. Stick with me at Luke 15. You can write that in your margins and go home and read it. Is when I believe it's Deuteronomy 21, 15 through 17. If it's not, thank God for Google. Um, where Moses gives the, the instruction for what is the law of inheritance. The law of inheritance. There was a law God gave for, matter of fact, Moses um, said it like this. He said, uh, if you have two wives and you hate one, thank God. <laughs> hallelujah. We only, the, oh, hallelujah, just one wife. Amen. Amen. That's not a chauvinistic thing. That's a quality of life issue. Amen. <laughs> now, it's, it's, it's uh, Elder Henderson, would you just flip? Is it Deuteronomy 21, 15? I don't want, I, I, it's starting to drive me crazy now. Deuteronomy 21, I believe 15, when he starts talking about this. You, you don't have to read it, just verify me. Uh, and, he, and he basically starts out by saying, now if you've got two wives and you hate one and you love the other, and one of them has a son and the other one has a son, and he's basically saying, you know, that's it, okay, I'm not as thinking as I dumb I am. And so, <laughs> listen to the podcast, you'll get it later. <laughs> I love you, Brother Roberto. God bless you. He said, so if you, have, if, you, if you have two wives and you love one, and you, and you, could you imagine living in that love triangle? When you come home and you hate one of them women, but you love the other woman, but they hate each other. I mean, how awkward is that? I mean, my, see, people get, all get up caught up in soap operas. You know, the soap, they love the soaps and they love all the Nora Roberts and all that. Just read your Bible, there's some... Pretty freaky stuff in there, too. It'll trip you out. You get to reading that stuff. You're like, wait a minute with it. <laughs> Sarah still one of the trippingest women I ever read about in my life. We said, if you got two wives, you love one, you hate the other, and they both have a son, God declared you could not write out even the son you hate out of your inheritance. Amen. As a matter of fact, if you had 10 wives and none of them had children, you still were obligated to then pass on the inheritance to the next oldest male or the next oldest female of direct descendant of your bloodline. Amen. And I know it don't pass PC culture, but God don't care. And so, the inheritance went like this. Now, for years, I misunderstood this. And, and, if, you, and if you have, then, then you were in the same boat with me, and maybe I can help enlighten you tonight. All the sons, if, if they had 20 sons, all of them got a piece of the inheritance. Okay. The thing was that whatever the younger son received by law, the eldest son got a double portion of it. All right? So if he gave the youngest son 50 bucks, the oldest son got 100, 
and her dad was a cheapskate. All right. You know, so, so they had to get something. So we go to Luke 15, and we begin at verse number 11, and we read about the unnamed uh, prodigal and the father. And so I, I'm going to read... Um, I'm going to read all of it. Is that all right? I know, for, I know nobody here, but maybe those listening on the podcast, because I know everybody here reads their Bible all the time, but those on the podcast that never read their Bible, you're getting a week's worth right now. And he said, and a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of good, that is the inheritance, that falleth to me. And he divided them his living. See, I had always thought it was 50-50 because of the word divided, which is actually a poorly translated word. The word divided means that he tallied up what was their portion and gave that to them. So it wasn't like he split it 50-50. He evaluated the wealth of what he had. And, and uh, some scholars say he would borrow against it or he would have sold cattle or land to give what was the estimated value at that time, liquidate some assets and then give that to his son because his youngest son didn't want old Betsy the milk cow. He wanted what she was worth, okay? And uh, verse 13, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. Uh, you, you go study that out, riotous living. Uh, it, it, it literally, and the, the key translators had some, sometimes a way of wanting to kind of clean up some of the things. But the, the, uh, what it literally means is he went to a far country and he spent his money um, on illicit living and prostitutes. And uh, when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine. Let me just say this. There's never a good time to backslide. I'm going to backslide. I got my money. I'm leaving the father. says, I'm going to party. You're going to party. You're going to be at the pinnacle of your popularity and the bottom's going to fall out on you. Amen. Didn't cost you anything. That was totally free. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He became an indentured servant. He became a slave. He signed himself up to slavery because he wasn't a citizen of that country. And I'm going to tell you something. When the country fell, they weren't looking to help people out that weren't their citizens. You can starve to death for all they care. They're looking out for their own. So he went and he sold himself into slavery and indentured servitude so he could at least work and try to get something to eat. Verse number, uh, or let's continue reading. Uh, and he sent him to his fields to feed swine. So many parallels there. I won't get into verse 16. And he would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many Hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. Amen. When, when, when a prodigal, somebody that's walked away from God, when they are truly repentant 
of their sin. Listen to them, not just come into a service and cry and feel sorry for what they did and get emotional. Most, a lot of times they're sorry they got caught, not sorry for what they did. There's a big difference. When they truly repent, it's, it's like they snap back to them and say, what was, what was I doing? If you ever walked away from God, you look back at it in that period, you go, what was I doing? I'm an idiot. What was I doing? My father's house, they had bread enough to spare, and here I am perishing with hunger. Amen. He said, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto my father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet um, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I want to say this. Uh, we, pr- we need to pray for the backsliders. We need to pray for prodigals. Amen. We need to pray for them every day. Uh, but, but here's something we cannot do. We cannot abandon the father's house to go chasing prodigals. It's unbiblical. Amen. We got to pray for them. We got to prepare, keep the house ready. I mean, what would it have been like if the father and his whole household would have emptied out to go look for a son and he returns back to cobwebs? We got to maintain in the father's house. Amen. And the son said unto him, uh, Father, I have sinned against thee and against heaven in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put, a, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. This is my son. Uh, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. Uh, And as he came and drew nigh into the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said unto him, thy brother is come and thy father hath killed the fatty cat because he have received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father uh, out and entreated him. And he answered saying to his father, lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might be married with my friends but as soon as this thy son was come which had devoured thy living with harlots thou hast killed for him the fatted calf and he said unto him son thou art ever with me and all I have is thine It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. Very familiar portion of scripture I want to focus in on tonight. I I want to, as I bring, uh, start bringing this uh, to a point to close in a few moments, uh, is the legal aspect of this. That this was, this was a, right of the, the, the younger son to be able to have something uh, come his way. Now, I don't believe this is a parable. Now, this isn't a salvific issue, so you can believe it's a parable or not. I, I, I happen to believe this is a real story because Jesus said, and a certain man. So he was thinking of an individual that this had happened to. And Jesus starts out by telling this story 
and he is telling it to Jewish people. So the Jewish people would be very familiar with the custom of this story when he said that a man having two sons, they instantly knew what, where Jesus was going with it. They didn't know the end of the story, but they knew there's a man, there's two sons, there's going to be an issue over the inheritance, Esau, Jacob. All right. Uh, so we, we have an issue now. We've got two sons. And he said, and the youngest son says, uh, Father, give me my portion of my inheritance. Because in other words, the young man said, I want to live it up while I can still live it up. I want to party. In other words, I'm going to party hard and die young and make a pretty corpse. That's what he was saying. I'm going to go out and do my thing. And, and I don't want to wait until I have a wife and 15 children or whatever it is before I get my portion of the inheritance. He, 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 it was almost, he, he became obsessed uh, with, with going out and doing his own thing, but he knew he did not have the means by which he could go out and do his own thing. He knew that if he was going to go out and, and be, become his own man, <laughs> he's going to need daddy's money to become his own man. Now, the law of Moses had already declared he had a right to that inheritance. Now, the terms were a little bit ambiguous in the fact that, that the father could determine when his sons got the blessing. And most fathers did not wait until they died to pass off the inheritance as when they were older and in their last years, they wanted to see the the enjoyment of their sons living out their blessings. So when the youngest son said this, he went to him and said, I know the will. I know the testament. I know, I know you owe me something. And so I want what you owe me because I want to go make my own way in this world. Amen. So many, so many little parallels could be drawn. So many lessons taught. But the father did. Now, I don't know why the father did it. Uh, he seemed like a very loving father to me. Maybe not, maybe not in the, in, in the smartest of way. Maybe he should, you know, maybe he shouldn't have. I, I don't know why the father decided in that moment to do that. But he said, I'll go ahead and give it to you now. He makes all the necessary arrangements. If you would, he calls his banker, check the accounts. Let's liquidate, liquidate some assets. Let's make sure to get Junior over here. Let's get him what he is coming to him. He's going to go do his own thing. I can, I can hear mama in the background going, have you lost your mind? That, 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 that boy can't budget his milk money at school. And you're going to get, you had to know the markers were there that this wasn't the brightest bulb in the drawer with money because at some young age, and, and most theologians believe he was in his early 20s, he comes to his dad and says, give me my money now. He was burning on the inside. I got to get out of here. I, gotta, I can't live here at, you know, at, at Green Acres. I got to go do my own thing. I got to go to the big city. I've got to do my own thing. And the father understands the document. He understands the will. But I want you to watch this. You've got to know not only the will and the testament. Listen to me. Not only the will and the testament of God by the letter, you've got to know the will and testament of God by the intent of God. 
Let me say that again. You've got to know the will or the word of God, not just by the letter, but we've got to know it by the intent of what God intended for it to mean. All kinds of atrocities have been committed by using the Bible. Wars have been fought using the Bible. Lands conquered by using the Bible in the wrong way. Slavery by using the Bible in the wrong way. Murder, bigotry, prejudice, you name it, has all been used by somebody who said they know the word. They knew the letter, but they didn't know the intent. Listen to me. Hitler knew his Bible. People don't believe that. He, he knew his Bible. But he didn't know the author of the Bible. He got access to the will and testament, but he never had a relationship with the testator. And if you don't know the author of this book, if I don't know him, then I can misjudge and misinterpret his word if I don't know the intent of God. If I don't know the personality of God, if I don't know the ways of God, the heart of God, the love of God, what pleases God, what displeases God, then this Bible becomes nothing more than authority to manipulate my will and the will of others. But if I know him, if I know the author, if I know the one who spoke it, then I understand that my my God is a God of compassion and mercy and grace and forgiveness. And yes, he wants us to have all these things, but he wants us to have them according to his will. Does that make sense? L let me prove it. The son knew the will, but he had misread the father. As a matter of fact, the son used the word that is the testament, the inheritance, the law of inheritance. He quoted it, he knew it, but he perverted its meaning. Amen. This is why we've got to get in our Bibles and we've got to pray the word. We've got to pray the word. Have you ever prayed the word? I'm astonished that people have never prayed the word, never knew they could pray the word. I don't want to say that in a, in, in a fact of, uh, of making anyone feel uh, uh, less spiritual. Or anything. But, but this is what Jesus used to even defeat Satan in the garden. He didn't do a flying elbow drop off the top turnbuckle. He didn't do a roundhouse. He didn't drop a suitcase nuke a man in his sock drawer. Jesus used the word against the devil. And when we go to prayer, amen, I take the word into my prayer closet. I take that and I begin to pray the word. Amen. It may not even make sense to anybody else. I have laid there. Matter of fact, uh, a few years ago, Brother Chase and I uh, spent several hours at the church and we were praying and uh, I had my Bible. I was laying between uh, two rows of chairs and I, I had my Bible out and I was praying and I was praying scripture and afterwards uh, we kind of had a laugh. He said, he said, my God, Pastor, I, I thought you knew entire books of the Bible. You were back there quoting scripture and he said, it wasn't until we about got 
done praying, I looked and you had your Bible laid out open on the floor. He said, I was over there just feeling convicted that I didn't know very much scripture because you was over an hour and a half just quoting scripture. You've got to get the word in your prayer life because when you get the word intermingled with your prayer life, then you can begin to feel the pulsating heart of God, the intent, the purpose of God. Don't let God's word just be something that, that scratches your ears or helps you in a tight spot. We need to pray the word. We need to infuse the word of God in our spirit that we might know him. I go to prayer and I quote scripture. Amen. I'll walk this sanctuary. I'll walk the church. I'll be in my office and and I'm praying scripture the whole time. You know what it'll help you do? It'll help you memorize the word of God. Pray the word. Open your Bible up and walk. I don't care if you're reading the begats out of 1 Chronicles. Just open the Bible and begin to read it and pray and begin to go, go, go to the book of Psalm. I love praying the book of Psalm. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law doth he meditate both day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season the ungodly are not so but are like a chap that the wind driveth away amen you gotta get the word of God in your heart and you gotta pray the word of God oh magnify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together amen you gotta pray the word of God you've got to call on the word of God because it is the living will and testament of God And I am afraid we are more familiar with church than we are God's word. Amen. I'm closing. I'm I'm not saying this in any other way but to challenge us. If we're not careful, we will think that if we shout enough and we dance enough and we come to church enough and we talk in tongues enough, and we run the aisles enough and we check our little religious box that that's what God intended for us. That's the peripheral. What he really wants is me. Me. I know this ain't profound. It's not going to end up on a bookshelf anywhere, I can promise you. But it's as simple as God's people getting the word in them. I asked this a few weeks ago. If, if you were to never hold the Bible again, how much would you know? Listen, this is, I'm try, this, I am not trying to, to bring condemnation at all. This, I'm, I'm, I'm posing this question. If, if you never got to touch this sacred book again, would you be able to lead somebody to Christ? I ask myself this all the time. And I'll tell you what did it. I'll tell you what did it for me. And of course, I was raised in a church, and God bless them, they did the best they could. And I love my pastor. And, uh, he died when I was young, uh, when I was 16. And, and uh, man, sometimes they get off in some weird stuff, though. You know, they get in this end of days. And I mean, some, some of the guys in the church were joining militias to fight the government after Waco. And you say what you want, but that meant a lot to people in Texas when all of a sudden you found out the government come in and shoot flamethrowers and, and burn 70-something children alive and nobody had to stand in trial for that. I was a 13-year-old kid, saw it on TV, 
And, and, and I remember sitting there, we were in Colorado, we were coming home from a, a vacation. And I remember looking at that going, and one of the most impressionable moments I ever had as a, as a young person was going, they'll kill me if they want to. Amen. Been doing it for a long time, all governments have. Follow me though. But I heard Robert Bear make a statement. Some of y'all know who Robert Bear is, the walking Bible. And he had made a statement. They said, you know, if our Bibles got taken away, would you be able to rewrite the Bible? And he said, I, he goes, the New Testament, I could do it and not miss any punctuation points. He said, I think I would have some, some difficulty with maybe First Chronicles. And it, I began to think about that. Man, if this did disappear, what would I know? What would I know? What would be in me that I would be able to tell the next generation? Israel would go into captivity. They would take and burn manuscripts, but they didn't take the word of God from Israel. Every most Jewish boys, by the time they were 12 years old, could quote the first five books of the Bible by 12 without chapter and verse. What can we do with it? Oh, I know it says I can be blessed. I know it says money, money, money by the pound. I know it says cash cow. I know it says, hey, but what else does it say? See, David said, David said, thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. D David said that he loved God's law. You ever thought about when he was writing that, he was writing all those songs? David was such a hopeless romantic. He was, he was like a combination of the, you know, he was a romantic warrior, right? He would cut somebody's head off and five minutes later, he's running his finger through some pretty girl's hair talking about how he can't live without her. And, and David's in there writing like, oh, I love your word. Oh, God, I love your word, your word. And that sucker broke all 10 commandments. What David was saying is, no matter my shortcomings or my failures, I know that my soul connection to God is through his testament and through his will and through his word. Well, I serve God based on the feeling I get. It won't last We've got to get the word. I, I'll get back into the prodigal next week. The prodigal knew the word, but he manipulated the word for his own purpose, and it didn't turn out good. Amen. Praise God. Hope this isn't too heavy for a Tuesday night. We've got to get the word involved in our life. Read it. Listen to it. My goodness, it's free. You can listen to it for free. You can listen to it with 50 different accents. I mean, you got a free Bible app. I remember when I carried my Bible in school first few times, I, I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to see it. Because I didn't get a small Bible. My parents only buy me a, was bigger than this. I couldn't hide it behind my biology book. But after a few days, it was like, you know what? I don't, I don't care. When I made a decision to serve God, man, I got bold with it. 
I'd study the word. Same guys I was smoking dope with and shooting meth with. Just days later, I'm, I, I, I'm sitting around with my Bible open and I was not even going to back down a little bit because I'm going to stand on the word of God because his word is true. It's sure. Amen. We're, we're a Bible church. We believe the Bible. We believe we've got to get. So let me say this, Brother Lucas, as you come. Let, let me ask you this. How, I'm going to ask you this, but you have to answer it to yourself. Don't answer me. How often am I in my word? How often? And when I am in my word, what is it for? Am I just trying to check the list on the app? Am I just trying to get through my, my calendar? Or am I, am I reading it? to be a source of life. Amen. Before you go to ask Siri how to solve something. Amen. I know this is so basic and fundamental. And I know so many are so probably so far above this. This is like finger painting. But we have got to get the word of God in us. Everything comes back to this. I heard a story years ago. A young man went to Bible college. They sent him to Bible college. His parents raised him in church. And uh, they sent him to Bible, or they sent him to university, rather. And he came back the first year, and they could tell something was off. And... Uh, had a family meal and he went off and came back the next year. By this time he came back, he was defiant. He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't say the blessing with the family around the table. You know, wouldn't do any of that. Finally, after dinner, they had a big blow-up argument. And uh, the young man finally said, he goes, I, you know, I don't believe that Bible. And they had a Bible sitting on the end table there in the living room, in the coffee table. I don't believe that. Which part? I don't believe any of it. Parents broken hard, devastated, as you could imagine. And they said, but son, we've raised you that this is truth. How can you deny that word? He said, well, it's like the story of Jonah. He said, Mom, Dad, you believe that a fish could swallow a man and he could survive three days in the belly of a whale? Said, yeah, if God said it, we believe it. We absolutely believe that. What, you, you mean that God couldn't work that miracle? You don't believe? He said, okay, well, what about David killing a giant? I mean, really, there's no scientific evidence of that. And he went into it and they said, are you kidding? He said, well, why don't you get your Bible and show me that? family reached down and grabbed the Bible opened it up couldn't find the book of Jonah couldn't find 1 Samuel the boy reached in his satchel and he pulled it out he said I ripped those pages out two years ago and you didn't even know they were gone how can you tell me you believe it when you don't even read it got to get this in us. 
there's in this moment in this moment there's nothing we can do to undo what we have or haven't done but what we can do is in this moment determine starting tonight I'm going to read my Bible through I hope you're going through the app man brother Garza works so hard we got people that download the app matter of fact my sister-in-law uh, recently started going to church about a year ago she's got our app and she goes she does our Bible reading program she said it's the best Bible reading program I've ever seen her daughter my niece who works on Disney cruises is doing our Bible reading app but if all we're doing is checking that list on that app thank God you're reading it but how about set aside a few minutes of YouTube or knitting or pickleball or bungee jumping out basement windows, whatever you do for fun. Just scoot it aside and say, okay, God, this isn't about me checking the list. This is just about me loving you. How many times have we as men, as husbands said, joking, of course, we never say it around our wives and mine's not in here, I wouldn't confess it. But how many times have we, not you, Brother Alonzo, she's behind you, don't acknowledge it. How many times have we said, my God, if I just had a manual for a woman, you know. Nobody else said that. If we just had a manual, right? That's one manual I'd read. You better believe that. Things women say, if I just knew what it meant. Like when they say, let's talk. They don't mean let's talk. That means shut up. I'm about to say something. Let me, let me save you some years of marital grief. When she says, go ahead. Or when she says, I'm fine. But see, Brother, Brother Abraham, if we had a manual, we can go, oh, chapter 7, subsection B. Paragraph J. It looks great on you. Y'all with me? Oh. Uh, hold that thought, babe. Uh, no, it, it is better than the way my mother cooked it. But we say we want to know God. We say we want to know God. We say we want to be like Him. And He said, okay. It's not going to be easy, but here you go. It's right here. I'll give you a manual. It's right here. And what do we do? We wing it. Instead of reading the book, we watch the Hallmark Channel version of the book. You know I'm telling the truth. Instead of reading it, I remember when we had to do book reports, I was always crossing my finger, please let there be a movie, please let there be a movie. 
But you know what Elder Henderson, them teachers, they knew if we watched the movie because characters were missing, time period, change. We had to do the one on Romeo and Juliet. Now what? And you know, I like bored myself out of my mind trying to watch the BBC version of it. Don't know how I didn't jump out a window or something. And did, you know, did the report <laughs> wrong. They messed it up, not me. Missed some pretty key points in there. But rather than read it, rather than get to know him, because he is his word, we just, we come to church and we hear it preached for 45 minutes. And then we try to take that and sustain that. But it won't work. It's like trying to live off five-hour energy shots and cotton candy. It'll help in the short term, but buddy, is it going to mess you up in the long term. This is why less than 60% of people in churches today believe in Noah's flood. Why less than 50% believe in a literal creation? You want to know why? Because they only took their cues of belief from right here. Amen. Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Heaven and earth shall pass away, Jesus said, but my words shall not. It's the only scripture that's recorded in three different gospels the exact same way when Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. We are clinging to temporal things. We are clinging to things that are fluid, that are changing. They're like grains of sand between our fingers. We are trying to grip it, but the only steady, unmovable, unshakable, unchanging, immutable, irrefutable, indestructible, undeniable thing on planet earth is God's word. He said, you can make it, just use the manual. get to know the author and you won't manipulate the manuscript you'll get to know the heart of God stand with me tonight amen praise God praise God praise God there's an old bluegrass gospel song that says I'm using my Bible for a road map that's what it is I'm surprised how many people will take a job and never consult God about it. I'm astonished. I'm astonished the amount of people that will make life-altering decisions without even going. There's an old song that says, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Because I'm immature, it's because I'm dependent on Him. There's life in this. I read my Bible, this may shock you, I read my Bible least to get sermons than anything else. I just love the Word. I can't tell you how many times, and I, I promise you I'm closing up. Look, I, I didn't think I was going to last this long. We just got in a few hours ago. I can't tell you the times, not because I wasn't studied, not because I wasn't prepared, but only because of the grace of God that I have stood here or stood somewhere about to preach and 
God hadn't said anything to me. I've got something ready just in case. Always got doctor ready. I'm always ready to preach for mercy and Calvary. And, and God will quicken something in my heart. And a lot of times I've had, not even had my physical Bible, just my iPad. And I'll look to uh, Brother Garza and say, hey, can I borrow your Bible? Or, hey, can I borrow? There's times I've read over to people in the service, can I borrow your Bible? Do you mind if I use it? And there it is. And walk up to the pulpit and preach. That, that's not skill or gifting. That's knowing the word. You wake me out of a sleep and slap me, most likely scripture's coming out. Now it might be you are of your father the devil, but it will be scripture. Depart from me, you worker of an it'll be scripture. What's what's it gonna take? How many will how many will say tonight, okay, I'm fixing to get in my word? Now get ready, because when you do. Man, you're going to get some great opportunities to not get in your word. You're going to get some fighting and fussing and cussing and backbiting. You're going to get free meals paid for. You're going to get six months of free cable. Everything to distract you. I, I, hope, I'm, I hope I haven't rambled tonight and I make sense of what I'm saying. I'm hoping you're getting motivated to get in this book. Say, Pastor, what do I do? What do I study? Hey, start with Acts 1. That's a good one. Go to Romans 8. You want something to blow your mind? Read Romans 8 when you wake up in the morning. Every day I live, I read one chapter of the book of Proverbs. I, I almost believe it's a sin not to, but because it isn't written, I don't say it. But I don't know why everybody doesn't read a chapter. Just start tomorrow. What's today? May the, May the 2nd? How many? Uh, 31 days? This is a perfect time to read the book of Proverbs through this month. Tonight, read one and two. Tomorrow, wake up and read Proverbs three. How many has ever done that for a while? You read a chapter in Proverbs today, at least for a week. It'll blow your mind. Start it. Just read it because. Not because you have to, but because we get to. Amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you. Lord, you preserved this word through thousands of years. You, you, you've preserved it through the fire. You've preserved it through floods. You've preserved it through persecution. The lions couldn't stop this word. Burning at the stake couldn't stop this word. The Christians hiding in the catacombs and caves couldn't stop this word when tyrants all the way from Caesar to, to Stalin tried to stop it it wouldn't stop it because you preserved this word for your people and I thank you God oh God help us be grateful for the moment and the dispensation that we live in that there's no violent conflict when we open this word but only the unwillingness of our carnality but God I pray for the strength of the spirit man to rise up in each one of us tonight Lord I pray Lord that there would be an all consuming passion oh God to get in this word to, to know it for no other purpose than just to know you 
Speak to us through your word, God. You are the testator and I am the beneficiary. This is your living document to your children. And Lord, we are your children. We want to know you. And Lord, we know to know you is to know you through your word. And then to know you through prayer. And then to know you through worship. And then to know you through fellowship. Oh God, I pray tonight, Lord. I pray against condemnation. I pray against shame. I pray against guilt right now that would try and rob each person in this place of their of their ability or their passion to step forward. I rebuke the enemy of our flesh. I rebuke the enemy that comes against us tonight and says, you've messed up so long, it'll do you no good to start now. We rebuke that mindset and that attitude, I pray, for the free flowing liberty of the Holy Ghost to move in this house and strengthen somebody's spirit. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray right now, baptize us fresh, Lord. Baptize us fresh, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, with your spirit, draw us in beyond the veil. Draw us in to a time of devotion and prayer. Draw us in, O oh God, to a time of communication and fellowship with you. God, unlock those hidden secrets. Unlock the mystery of your wisdom and knowledge and power, O oh God, as we begin to dive deeper into a relationship with you and your word. God, I speak it by faith tonight. I declare it by faith tonight that over the next few days and weeks, oh God, there's going to be testimonies being shared of how God, you spoke through your word and how tremendous prayer meetings broke out in homes and in break rooms because your word was being consumed. Lord, I pray right now, let an old-fashioned baptism, oh God, of passion and fire to get caught up in your word, stir within each and every one of us, God. I pray it go beyond Connect Group on Thursday night or church on Tuesday and Sunday, but Lord, I'm praying that Bible study groups would begin to spontaneously just begin to arise in our churches. Lord, I pray there be prayer groups that just begin to unite together and come together spontaneously, God, because we need to know you more than ever before. We need to know your word more than ever before. Would you reach over and pray with the person beside you right now in Jesus' name? Help us wade through, God, the muck and the mire of life. Help us push through the weeds of busyness. Help us push through the distractions of life. Help us, oh God, resist the pulling of every direction that fights for our time. Lord, I pray that brothers, to get together with brothers and sisters with sisters and families with families, Lord, to not only have a good time of fellowship, but let prayer meetings break out all across First Church Woodland, God. I pray that in-home Bible studies break out, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.